on in, Brother Matt. <clears throat> glad you're able to make it out. Glad that you are listening in. If you are listening in from somewhere, we're thankful that you're with us as well. Kind of a drenching night, stormy night, but we're thankful to to be here and to be safe and to be together. Let's have a Bible reading first, and then we'll get to our prayer. Let's look at Psalm 51. This psalm will relate to our thoughts this evening. Psalm number 51. Read several verses here from Psalm 51 and then we'll have our prayer. This is, as you very well know, this is David's repentance. This is David's uh, confession following his grievous sins with Bathsheba, against Bathsheba, against her husband Uriah, against the Lord God Almighty. Start in verse 1, Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth, in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise, for you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for blessing us with rain. And every day, Father, thank you for providing life as we need it. O Lord, we depend on your goodness on a daily basis. We thank you, Father, every hour for what you provide. Oh Lord, help us not to turn away from your goodness. Help us to acknowledge your ways 
in all of our thoughts, in all of our minds. O oh Lord, we're most mindful this, this evening of your great love. We're thankful for the gospel plan of salvation centered in your son Jesus. We're thankful, Lord, for scripture, and we're thankful for this time together to be able to devote ourselves to your will this evening. Oh Lord, there are many on our hearts and minds that need our, our prayers and need your strength, oh Lord. We pray for those that have been on our list as being sick or being weak or hurting in this way or that. Oh Lord, we pray that you would lift them up. Dear Lord, we pray that as we open your word this evening, that we might be able to be drawn closer unto you. Help us, Father, as we look into your word. Help us to be more dedicated to turn away from those things which are not good for us. Turn away from Satan and his ways. Help us, Father, to seek your will, to hunger and thirst after your righteousness. Dear Lord, we pray that as a family, as a congregation, that you would bring us together, that you would help us to live in peace, that you would bond us together uh, upon your word and in your love. Lord, help us as we face the new year. Help us, Father, to depend upon you. Help us to trust in you. Help us to walk in your steps. Oh Lord, help us to examine ourselves and help us to be true to your faith. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. So I want this to be this evening a first a discussion and then a, a more of a devotional Bible class as we reflect. As we reflect. We made the point Sunday night as we were discussing the mission of Jesus, that we need to believe in the mission of Jesus. We need to believe that people can change. We need to believe that people are lost without the gospel of Christ. We need to believe in the blessings of God and be anxious to share. And we need to believe that each person needs to condition their heart to receive what God has in store for them. I want to go back and think about that idea of the fact that people can change, but direct it to ourselves. Will I change? Am I willing to change? Because it will take change within us in order for people to hear the truth, hear the gospel. In order for this community to change, it will first take change within us. So I want to talk about that. These are the areas of discussion I'd like for us to approach. First, I want to present a general picture of a mature Christian. And then I want us to ask, is it necessary for us to change toward that picture And then I want us to explore just for a few minutes 
why it's so difficult to change. And then I want us to make sure that we understand what it means to actually change according to uh, what the Bible has to say. And then I want us to close with some motivations uh, for us to change. You see, it's important to believe that as we, as we spread the seeds of the kingdom, that people will receive that, that there's a, there's a portion of the people at least that, that will change. People have the ability to change. But it's also important for us to understand that God expects us to change uh, as well, to grow, to grow. And we'll talk about that uh, more and more. First, I want us to get a picture of how it needs to look. How it needs to look. What, what do we need to look like? What, what is it that we need to have going on in our lives? What, what, needs to, what is the foundation of our belief if we're going to grow to maturity uh, as the Lord would have us to do? So let me just, uh, and you can add to this, but let me just tell you what's on my mind. When I think of what God would have us to be, I'm talking about us, those who are consistent in attendance, those of us who uh, want to see the Lord's church do well, uh, those that, uh, of us who want to, you know, to strive to be holy every day, What is that picture that we need to have in our minds of, of growing toward? Okay, what's that? What does it look like? Okay, what can we? What goals can we set ahead of us that will help us to strive uh, to grow further and further uh, closer to God? Okay, and so let me share with you just a couple of thoughts. Um, I think about the belief that the Bible has the answer for eternity? Do we truly believe that the Bible, and only the Bible, only the Lord, has the answer for eternity? People are wondering, what is on the other side? When we walk out of this life, whether through death or through Jesus coming again, what is on the other side? What is waiting us there? And we must believe firmly that the Bible has the only answer for eternity. As Acts 4 verse 12 uh, clearly says, no other other name given among men under heaven uh, other than Jesus whereby we must uh, be saved. So is that firmly planted in my heart? I think that's one part of the picture. Another part of the picture I think that ought to be there is, do we have a clear focus of that and do we maintain that focus of that answer every day? Are we clearly focused on the mission of God? Is it it clearly implanted in our heart? Just as it was in the Lord's uh, mission, in the Lord's life. 1 John 2 verse 6 uh, says, we ought to walk as Jesus walked. To walk as Jesus walked doesn't necessarily mean to wear clothing that has scripture, even though there's nothing. I think, I think that's really good. I think it's good to display scripture as much as we can. But that's not exactly what it means to walk as Jesus walked. It means to, 
to emulate his attitudes, to emulate his habits, to emulate his actions, okay, to do as he did. In 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. That's the idea. So, do we believe that only Jesus has the answer? Do, is, it clear, is it a clear focus in our lives? And then the next idea that comes to my mind, when I think about maturity and growing toward that, I think about confidence. Do I have the confidence and the boldness along with the love of Jesus in my life? Is it, is it there? Is it growing? Am I growing in confidence? Am I growing in my boldness? Am I growing in the kind of love that Jesus displays toward us? Okay. You remember Jesus saying in John 13, 34, and 35, As I have loved you, so you show love one toward another. Okay. Do I have that kind of confidence and, and boldness? Okay. What do you think? What kind of picture comes to your mind when you think about the next level of growth uh, in the Lord that is before you? What, what comes to your mind? What comes to your mind? I think about also trusting in the providence of God. Do I really believe that if I do His will and I do His work and I, I sow His seed, do I truly believe that He will, without doubt, give that increase? that he will bless that effort? Do I truly believe he will bless that effort? Am I hopeful? Do I have a hopeful idea? Do I have a hopeful mind toward that? And you recall in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9, that Paul said, God gives the increase. I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. He that waters is nothing, he that plants is nothing, but it is God who gives the increase. And do I live with that? Is, it, is that an enthusiastic wholehearted ideal and trust that I have in my heart. What comes to your mind when you think of a picture of someone who is, is growing in Christ and who is ready to go to the next level uh, with him? I also think about not being entangled. This brings down, so a lot of folks get started toward a real growth in Christ but they get entangled. They get entangled with bitterness. They get entangled with unforgiveness. Okay? They get entangled with the cares of this life, the pleasures of this life. They get entangled with, um, you know, with trying to do God's work. God, God is on this side. God says, I'll give the increase. You sow the seed and I'll give the increase. Sometimes we, we get on the wrong side. We need to stay in our lane. We need to stay on our side of the paper. We need to sow God's seed and let him give uh, the increase. But we, in order to grow, we've got to stay away from different entanglements. Well, those are five thoughts that come to my mind. What comes to your mind when you think about uh, a mature Christian in, to, to the point of growing toward that uh, type of person? Anything else you'd like to add? What I just simply said was, believe that Jesus is the only answer. Scripture has the only answer. Okay. Believe that, that we've got to stay clearly focused on that. You've got to add to that the, the ability to be confident, bold, and loving. Okay. And then not be entangled. Love is Jesus loved and so forth. Anything you'd like to add to that as we think about examining ourselves?
Well, I guess it's different for, for everybody, different degrees. But what does it take to really change a person? Does that make sense? Yeah. Does your question, was it take to produce genuine change, yeah. real change? Okay. I think as we go through these areas of discussion, some of that will be answered, probably not all of that. But let's just keep that in mind as we, as we progress through here. Okay. Um, there's a great psalm, and this is more of a devotional Bible class, so these, these, little, these little verses I mentioned to you are good ones to mark in your Bibles, but... Psalm 26 and verse 2 is a good one to, to mark in your Bible, look at, look at it again before you go to bed. But there, uh, I'm pretty sure it's David. David said, Lord, uh, prove me. Lord, examine me. Lord, try my heart. In other words, look through me, Lord, through and through. Through and through. And even though David had his weaknesses and he, he failed, uh, he truly wanted to be uh, right with the Lord. He wanted to come back to the Lord and be through and through all belonging to him. And that's what we want to do. We want to set the standard really high, which is to be like Jesus, and then, and then grow toward that. But to do that, we must. there must be a self-examination. Perhaps, Paul, this is... This is one step in what you were discussing there. One step is to be able to, to truly, honestly uh, examine oneself, not in a lot of what other people are doing, not in light of what other people maybe should be doing, but in light of what the Bible says, in light of who Jesus uh, truly is. Ken's saying there first must have to be a, a desire, a will, a want to. Okay. And as we move toward defining what real change is that, is, that is foundational. It starts right there in the heart and then in the will of a person. And finally, it will come out in the decisions and the conduct of a person. But it starts down deep in the soul. Okay. All right. So next part is to think about this. Is it even needful for us to change? If we're, if we're faithful in attendance, if we're reading our Bibles daily, um, is there really any need for us to think about changing? If we're worshiping God in spirit and in truth, is there really any need to change? Is, is, is this even a good ideal to discuss? Among more mature Christians, what do you think? Yeah, you don't want to get satisfied. You don't want to get satisfied? Okay. What's that? There's always right for growth as a Christian. You're always trying to be more like Christ. And you're always trying to grow. You don't want to get stagnant. Even you can get stagnant and just kind of what's there. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden, 
Yeah. Very possible, as Ashley's saying, to get stagnant, uh, to get complacent. Okay. Right, the Christians saying the word is to be the mirror and not comparing ourselves with other folks, which is very easy to slide into. Not that I've already reached. Okay. Ken is referencing Philippians 3.12, where Paul himself, very dedicated, was saying he hasn't already attained the perfection that he's looking for. He's striving, like Matt was saying, he's striving toward the example of Christ. Um, Julie Pitts uh, writes in saying, uh, tell Brother David, as we move towards change, we must be willing to do the work of the church. We cannot just be uh, warming the seat. Appreciate that comment as well. Okay. Think about what, um, what is repentance? That's one of the words in the Christian view of things, the Bible view of things. Uh, that ought to be in our lives all the time. What what is repentance? Okay, it's it's change. Okay, what calls upon us to repent in the first place? Remorse, Remorse over what? Sin. 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 Okay. So as you've heard many times, there are two broad categories of sin: sins of commission, sins that you commit. The Bible says, "Don't do this." Then you do it, and you feel bad about it, you got, and you repent from it, repent against it. Okay, and you go to the Lord, and you promise, and you try to turn away from whatever that is. But James 4.17 also mentions another category of, of sin. What does that say? Yeah, omission. Commission and omission. James 4.17 mentions the category of omission, leaving things undone. What does James 4, 17 say? He who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Okay, now it gets interesting. It gets interesting. Leaving something undone that ought to be done. Okay. Comes back to us as sin. Okay. Just, as, just as real as any other sin committed is that sin. In fact, in your Bibles, if you look at Revelation 2 and Jesus' message to the church at Ephesus, he commends them in some ways. But he has something very harsh to say. Revelation 2, beginning in verse 2, Revelation 2, beginning in verse 2, he says, I know your works and your toil and your patient endurance. That's good. How you cannot bear with those who are evil, and you have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. That's good. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. That's good. 
and you've not grown weary. It's great. But verse 4, he says, I have this against you. You have abandoned your first love. Remember, therefore, from when you have, whence you have fallen and repent. There it is. Repent. And do the first works. I have a feeling he's talking a little bit about what James said in James 4.17. They're holding to the sound doctrine. They're, they're, they're standing up against false teachers. Okay. But something is still there. It sounds like the first works. You know, when you come out of the baptistry waters, you seem to want, you seem to be anxious to share uh, what you have just learned, and you seem anxious for others to have that same experience, those first works. Okay. Repent, Jesus said. Repent, repent. Jesus says in Luke 13, "Except you repent, what happens?" So when Jesus says repent here, it's a serious matter. It's a serious matter. Just as serious as adultery and a number of other sins, uh, this is quite serious. And so, yes, uh, change is important, even in the lives of those more consistent in their faith. Change is still uh, very important. Let me ask you this question. We'll go to our third category here. Why is it so hard? Why is change, why is repentance, why is transformation, why is conversion, why is growing so hard? Creatures of habit. Okay. Creatures of habit, that's very true. Selfishness. Selfishness is at the core, surely. Okay. Jesus often said, deny yourself. He says that in Matthew 16, 24. Deny yourself and then follow me. I think that's the issue. The issue is selfishness. And the cousin of selfishness is pride. Okay, pride. It's hard to change because it's hard for us to tell ourselves that um, there's something lacking uh, or, or that we're doing wrong or that our path that we have charted uh, is not quite right. That we need to readjust, reconfigure, or just stop and start again. It's our pride doesn't want us to go in that direction. Okay. I think it's important to know as well there's more to repentance than just change. Yeah. Well, expand on that because we're getting to that part of our thoughts tonight is, is exactly what it is it to mean when we say repent or change. Uh, what does it mean? Well, first off, I mean, you're asking for forgiveness, guidance, and help, and then you're committing to change. So, maybe um, you're committing to a more dependent Dependency upon God, not just changing your ways, but having a more deeper faith. Is that what you're saying? Change is not on the outside, not all on the outside. It has to be heart too. Okay. Right. Let's go ahead and just define that. 
for a minute. What, what change actually is? Ken has started it for us, and Ida is picking up on it. So change starts in the heart, no doubt about that, in the mind. Philippians 2, 5 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It starts in the heart slash mind. Okay. It's a change of the mind, also a change of the will, the desires of the heart. Jesus says, hunger and thirst after righteousness, the desires of the heart. But it must manifest itself eventually in the habits and conduct that we carry out. Obedience. Obedience. That's the ideal, is to allow God to help us create these attitudes and habits through study and prayer. That's why Ashley is definitely bringing that out. And it's very, very necessary. Turn to Luke 15 and notice how the prodigal son, almost verbatim, shows us how to change. Luke 15 we remember that Luke fifteen seventeen it says that he came to himself. So first, his first step was he's convicted, convicted, and convinced that something's not right. Something's not right. So he comes to himself. Okay, and then verse eighteen, he says, "Father," he says, "I'm going to go to my father. I'm going to say, I have sinned. I have sinned." So he's convinced that something is not right. In fact, he has done wrong. Okay. So that's a, that's a change in his heart. Okay. Notice the first part of verse 18. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I will arise. I will arise. So he's not only changing his mind okay, and being convinced that he's on the wrong path, but he says, now he's, he says, I, I'm, I'm determining to do something about this. Change of his heart, a change of his will. Okay. But he's still not repented yet, has he? Okay. He says, I will arise. I will arise. And then um, verse 20 actually says, he arose and he came to his father. <coughs> and he said the very things that he said he was going to say to him. He said, Father, make me a servant. Make me a servant. So those little steps of the prodigal there shows us about what repentance really is. And each of those steps, you can't, you can't uh, skip one of those steps. It has to start in the mind, the heart, and then it has to go to the will, and then the action must take place. As Jesus says in Matthew 3, verse 8, bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. Worthy there is a term having to do with equal weight. Equal weight. You bring forth fruit of repentance. Okay. And it needs to match. Okay. This turning you're doing. Okay. Needs to match what you have done against the Lord. Whatever it is you're doing against the Lord, you need to turn completely from that. Bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. And so for us, we're looking at the mission of Jesus. What is it that we haven't done? 
What is it that we're not doing? And are we willing to turn from that and begin true uh, repentance? You see, repentance is not just trying to cover our sin. Okay. It's not just about covering our sin. We're good at that. We're good at that. Most of the time we try to do something good to cover up that which we really should be doing. We have a tendency, and I'm thinking about myself here now. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pointing a finger at you, but myself. We have a tendency to do those things that are more comfortable for us because we're accustomed to those things, doing those things, but never getting around to what God actually wants us to do. Yeah, that's where the sin of omission comes from. Comes in. Mark in your Bible, Proverbs 28, verse uh, 13, that talks about trying to cover your own sin. Only the Lord can forgive us of sin. Proverbs um, 28, 13, Whoever covers his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them, those are the ones that will attain mercy. That's a good one to mark in our Bibles, Proverbs 28. 13. So repentance or change is not just trying to cover our tracks. Rather, it's really coming clean with God and um, acknowledging what we've done and telling the Lord and then doing uh, the things that are right. Okay. So, Ms. Nina's saying that commitment is, uh, seems to be the hardest part of repentance. Understanding repentance is easy enough, but once you get to that point, can I stay committed to that? Okay, that and that's part of our discussion tonight is, is we know what the Bible says about this, but can we take a hard look at ourselves personally and determined to get out of um, habits which are not necessarily um, evil or grievous, just not there where the Lord would have us to be. Follow up to repentance is part of the repentance. Yeah. Yeah. The follow up to repentance is part of the repentance. The commitment, the commitment, the continuation of where we need uh, to be. How do we Get there, and actually, we're saying prayer and Bible study. And certainly, once we make the determination and we begin the path of rectifying um, where we need to be, then prayer and Bible study and fellowship is, is a big part of that. So, I would say that, that change is not just trying to cover our sin, and it's not just making a promise, but rather. It's the it's the follow through, it's the continuation of that. I think that is the hard part in a way because it may be 
and remain and to have the courage to do that. Ashley is uh, remarking that oftentimes we start on the path and then the reaction of friends and even loved ones sometimes deters us because it does look strange because if we've been in one mode, if we've been in one consistent pattern in life and then we begin to change that, then that's going to make other people uncomfortable. But we want to come out of our comfort zone and get into God's zone. We want to get into His way. You know, making a change is, it's not just about um, being sorry, but as you guys were saying, I expected that you would have good remarks uh, and helpful remarks, but being sorry is not just about saying you're sorry, and repentance is not just about saying you're sorry, but following through and making a continuation of that. A lot of people say they're sorry. When... Um, who was it that had John the Baptist beheaded? Herod. Herod. Okay. If you look at Mark 6, 26, Herod was sorry that this was about to come down on John the Baptist. Did he do anything about it? No. The, his head was still brought in on a platter because he'd made this oath and, Sister Ashley, he had made it in front of his friends. He'd made it right there in front of everybody. He could not go back on that oath. He was sorry. He respected John. Okay. But uh, did he repent? Did, did he truly change? So, so it's more than just being sorry. It's even more than admitting that you're wrong. Right? Can, can you give an example of somebody who admitted they were wrong but didn't repent? Judas. Yeah, Judas. Judas is one that comes to my mind. He says, I have sinned, Matthew 27. I have betrayed innocent blood. But going out and hanging yourself is not, um, I don't think that's repenting. What do you think? So, what, Esau. Yeah. yeah, Esau's another one. King Hebrew. Saul. Oh, you said, e I thought, okay, King Saul. King Saul. King Saul didn't repent. Yeah, King Saul didn't repent. That's true. When, when Samuel came and explained to him that he had not carried out the Lord's instructions there in 1 Samuel 15, he did say, I have sinned. That's right. But he didn't truly repent. True repentance brings the fruits. Oftentimes it does take a while. It does take a while. But we can change our path. We can change our path immediately, but working out that new habit, those new ways, is a process. We've got to stay committed uh, to it.
So we wanted to present some sort of picture. And, you know, in in a couple of weeks, Brother Vance Hutton's going to be with us. And he's going to talk a lot about uh, growing into maturity. He's going to give a lot of different markers about what it is to be a true, mature uh, Christian. I just wanted just to give a quick uh, picture of some things we need to grow toward. Because most of us, as we enter and approach a new year, we want to do some true reflecting. We want to um, truly look deep into ourselves and uh, see where we're at. So I wanted us to, to get a general picture of that, a, a picture of a higher ground. You know, we sing, we sing a song about uh, being on higher ground and, and, and working toward that higher ground. That's the idea, is is to approach that higher ground. What does my next uh, higher ground look like? Okay. And then I want us to see that God calls upon us to continuously change, as you guys brought out several times, that growing toward Christ and being like Christ, we'll never get there, but growing toward that, striving toward that, is the best, it's the best goal. Can you think of a better standard? Can you think of a better goal to have? than to try to be like Christ. I'm going to be more like Christ uh, this year than I ever have. A lot of people have a big issue with that, trying to do that, but that's the reason we see a lot of people that come into the church and fail that leave the church rather quickly because they they can't understand that even though it's unattainable goal, we're asked to do our best. Yeah. You've got to understand as human beings, it's an unattainable goal, perfection. But we're asked to do our best. It's unattainable, but there's a lot of striving that can take place. And when I was younger and I was listening to Gus Nichols, and he was talking about this very thing, and I I just popped in my head. But he said that that there ought to be days where a Christian uh, does not sin at all. And that really caught my attention, man. Because I've heard, I've heard my, you know, growing up in the church, I hear people talk about, forgive us of our many sins, forgive us of our daily sins. And Brother Nichols gets up there and says, you know, that'll be some days, that'll be two or three days where you go and you're not sinning at all because you're following Christ. You know, and he wasn't saying you can be perfect, but he said that Christian ought to be well on his way to overcoming sin. Overcoming sin. And... Um, so that's, that's a good thought. And, and that's, that's so vital to being faithful is to have Christ as our pattern in, in the New Testament. And then we wanted to uh, see the, ne- the changes necessary and then move on to see how, why it's so difficult and then just notice what's, what repentance or change is and what it's not. Okay? And you guys have helped us bring that out really well. All right, we'll take just a break or minute to break here and we'll get right back into um, our devotion.